Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, where your source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development, where we share original research, explore industry trends, and interview executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We hope you join us often for practitioner-oriented content around all things related to leadership, HR, talent management, organizational development, and change management. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page, and please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please leave a review. Thank you for your support. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Simon Dealey about staffing trends towards prioritizing diversity, equity, and inclusion. Simon Dealey, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Hi, Jonathan. Thank you for having me. It is a pleasure to be with you today. You're joining us from the Boston area. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. And today we're going to talk about staffing trends generally, but specifically towards prioritizing diversity, equity, and inclusion. As we get started, I wanted to share Simon's bio with everybody. Simon Dealey is CEO of Higher Technologies. He is a senior executive with a wealth of achievement in operations, finance, strategic planning, M&A, business development, and company startups. With over 20 years of seasoning across a broad spectrum of industries and multiple countries, Simon has proven experience in identifying strategic issues, dramatically improving sales, administering the organization, raising capital, and improving processes. Having served in many C-level roles and as a management consultant, he enables corporations to have a well-thought-out and executed business strategy and financial plan, take calculated risks that allow the business to embrace change, and possess a good understanding of the competitive landscape and the client needs. A wonderful background. I really appreciate you taking the time to meet with me and my audience today. Anything else you would like to share with us by way of your background or personal context before we dive on into the conversation? Well, you did a great job there, John. I appreciate that. No, so uh, just from the accent, you know, I'm originally from Australia, uh, moved to the US uh, back in 2000. Uh, I don't think I'm losing this accent anytime soon, uh, living in the US for 22 years. And, uh, and like you said, you know, operating in professional services my entire career, banking, finance, legal, uh, big four accounting, owned my own global consulting firm, uh, and now, you know, it's working with uh, with high technologies, which is a, you know, it's a capital allocator. We're doing a consolidation strategy uh, through human capital, buying and, and bringing in staffing uh, companies, HR consulting and SaaS-related technologies into the business. So, uh, so yeah, thank you again for, for having me on the uh, the podcast today. Yeah, excellent. And it, it is cool. You're doing some great stuff with higher technologies. And I'd love for you to to just share a little bit more about that as we're going through and discussing the topic today, um, because it relates heavily to what we're going to be talking about. Uh, let's start with just laying the landscape a little bit. Uh, what are some of the broadest staffing trends that you're seeing right now? We're coming out of 
you know, this pandemic that's kind of moved into endemics um, form. Uh, it's going to be here forever, but hopefully a little bit less serious or concerning, you know, from a, a public health standpoint. Um, but organizations are still grappling with it. Uh, we've, we've, you know, been dealing with the great resignation, the great reawakening, the great reevaluation, quiet quitting, you know, all of the buzzwords that people have been throwing around. Uh, the, the bottom line is it's a tight labor market. It's hard for organizations to get uh, good people and to hang on to them. Um, what are some of those and related, you know, staffing trends that you're seeing if we zoom out and look at the, the macro level? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. There's was certainly a shift after uh, sort of started getting out of the pandemic where um, the leverage was more in the candidate's hand than the employer's hand. And uh, this fully embracing the the remote workforce, and that's obviously gets talked about quite a bit. Um, and and that's really this high demand for, for these qualified candidates. And, you know, on the companies are more willing now to, if they can, have this remote or hybrid workforce, looking at a broader a broader scope of where they might have traditionally brought resources in. They don't have to be close to the office, not just the closest best resource, but the best resource. And that extends into, you know, so with what we're doing, we've, we've got operations up in Canada, uh, looking, you know, south of the border into the Canadian market to find those resources because there's uh, an exchange rate arbitrage, but also access to another resource pool. Um, and so, you know, companies are still struggling with, you know, how we, how do we handle the, the, the you know, bringing those resources into the business that don't want to be full-time in the office, having that hybrid environment that allows them to, to get the people they want and also retain, you know, you talked about the great resignation, you know, there are a lot of opportunities out there, even with the tightening economy, it's kind of strange. You have this full employment going on where the economy is slowing down. Now, of course, you would expect that would start to, to slow, but there's a lot of demand to be soaked up before it, it starts tipping the other way. Uh, on top of that, there's a uh, you know, greater awareness of the gig economy. A lot of people talk about the gig economy where that contingent workforce model, you know, we're not going to bring somebody in full time. We're going to bring in resources as and when we need them. Uh, and being able to be flexible like that as an organization where you're tapping into the, to that resource pool. And there's a lot of examples of uh, the gig economy and how that's growing so much. You know, it's expected to be a, a very, very large industry and, and growing industry because of uh, the demand for those resources and the resources themselves wanting to have that flexibility, mostly in sort of the millennial group is where we're seeing the, the younger group of, of employees are more open to, to that sort of uh, on-demand uh, type of work environment. And all of that working on at the same time that you've got uh, companies trying to improve the diversity uh, within their businesses as well, especially at the board level and seed suite. Yeah, and I as I think about uh, the trends towards the gig economy, now certainly before the pandemic, we were it was a, it was already trending upwards, right? Trending upwards towards um, more contingent work, more um, contract and freelance work, and that only got accelerated and put on steroids during the gig economy. And like you said, younger generations seem to be more and more open to it. And it doesn't necessarily mean that's that's only the only type of work that people want to do, but more and more people 
uh, are embracing a side hustle, right? So you have your day job and then you do, you know, something else that really fulfills your creative needs or, you know, taps back into maybe what you studied in school and you kind of got a little bit away mm -hmm. from in your career or whatever, right? But people doing these side hustles and doing more gig work, there's lots of platforms now to connect uh, employers with uh, talent, freelance talent. Uh, so it's easier and easier to be able to manage that. Uh, there's just uh, a definite move that direction. And whether we're talking about freelance gig work, that kind of stuff, or we're talking just about remote or hybrid work, one of the outcomes of this, I'm not sure it was one that people had originally really thought seriously about, but one thing people have definitely noticed is that once you break down the geographical barriers uh, and, and limitations around who you hire, so now you're not just hiring from your surrounding metropolitan area, um, but you truly can hire from anywhere in the world, anyone with a good internet connection who's able to to make the synchronous meetings when they're necessary and otherwise get the work done, uh, it, it means you can hire a really diverse workforce, uh, people from all different backgrounds, uh, socioeconomic status, race, religion, ethnicity, uh, et cetera, like all the things, right, You that you can just have a really diverse team when you embrace the the uh, the distributed model of work, whether that's full-time employees, contract, freelance, whatever, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that was uh, um, probably the focus companies were having as well. Look, you know, they, there was a lot of calls and, and demand for, you know, uh, diversity at the board level and trying to improve that diversity at the C-suite. And that's obviously filtering down throughout the entire organization um, because a lot of benefits come from having that within your business. You know, you're having these different opinions, different viewpoints of the world actually makes teams much more uh, productive and efficient because you're not going to get that, you know, traditional group think that you might have. And you you are, as you know, embracing those other opinions and getting different perspectives on the problem. And it's not, you know, just trying to get to the solution as quickly as possible, but, you know, looking at all the different alternatives there. And so that's really helping companies that are taking that broader perspective that you're saying, like, you know, getting, getting a broader talent pool that they're bringing into the company. Uh, so it's a huge benefit to them. Plus also, you know, we're seeing companies, seeing a lot of other benefits as well. There's the mental health aspect too, because yeah. you're not requiring, uh, people are staying connected. And they're feeling part of a community, but they're also not required to uh, have this this commute and missing time with their families. And oh, now that's that's another big part of why it's helpful to have that workforce that you can you can have uh, be a remote because they're going to get a lot of benefits from that. And that obviously then translates into better productivity for the company as well. So a lot of benefits that come from having that wider lens and you definitely are seeing it uh, like you were saying with, with companies. I see it a lot with what, with our business because we're doing it with North America and it's obviously not as, you know, there's a lot of diversity there for sure, but even expanding into the, into the Asian markets and European markets as well to find those talented resources and understanding that that scarcity uh, can actually work to your, to your advantage when you start mm -hmm. to tap into those other resource pools. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned, C-level um, positions and board positions, you know, being a focus of many organizations as it relates to DEI efforts. Um, I was actually having a, a, a meeting uh, with with an organization just the other day, and I won't mention names, but they they've put a lot of effort into their DEI stuff. Um, they they've enacted a lot of policies and procedures, and they they've done a lot of things 
um, to to move the needle. But most of it has happened at the lower levels. So they have increased the level of diversity and equity throughout the organization. They've worked hard on a culture of inclusion and belonging throughout the organization. But when you get to the C-suite and the board level, there's almost no diversity whatsoever. And it's it's not because they're not committed to trying to get it done, but it's really because there's just been less turnover there. There's people that have been there for a long time and uh, they were all there before they had these efforts towards DEI. And so uh, how, how would you approach an organization uh, that might be struggling uh, with uh, C-level roles uh, in, in trying to increase the level of diversity if there's not a high level of turnover there? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. You know, people are saying, oh, you know, uh, I, I've heard the argument, well, there's just not the qualified people to bring into those positions, which is completely untrue. There's a great depth of talent uh, for those for, in that area to bring bring that diversity into the business, obviously. Uh, and then the next question is, well, you know, we don't have any open positions. But then you have to look at the hierarchy of the business overall. How did you end up at the starting point bringing in your, your CFO, for example, your CEO, CEO? Where, what, what do you traditionally do? Are you hiring from within or are you hiring from without? And having that sort of uh, the, the, the next in lines, being having more diversity for those next in lines so that you do have people that you can hire within into the, into, into the business. You, there is a, always that pyramid problem within organisations where, uh, you have to need the person at the top to go before the rest can move up. And uh, and that definitely does become a bit of a, a stopping point for organizations. But okay, that is, that's how it is today. Think about that succession planning process. Think about what's going to come next through the organization. Be very committed to bringing the diversity at those levels below so that they are ready to move up into those higher positions. Uh, certainly at the board, you know, you need to have, um, there is, you know, a lot of uh, long tenure, I know, at board at the board level, but then have that commitment. When it, an opportunity does come up, we are committing to go through this process to look to bring diversity into the board. We are going to be making a diversity hire onto the board. And, you know, one of our uh, practice units, Leaders International, half of what they do, half of their revenue is coming from that DEI side because companies are trying to build that network. They are trying to build that succession planning to the businesses. While they don't have the opportunity today, they are making sure that they've got the uh, training programs and the succession planning in place that will allow them to, over time, bring that into the business as well. Focusing on that diversity hire if and when, you know, an opening uh, occurs uh, and, and focusing on the talent pipeline and and the progression so that you have people waiting in the wings, ready to fill in and, and contribute in those positions as appropriate. You know, those are great approaches um, and it's interesting. I hear often, as you said, the argument is, you know, often, well, there weren't any other qualified candidates uh, or, or things of this nature, um, whether it's, you know, having more female uh, candidates and hires or uh, BIPOC hires or whatever, you know, you're talking about. Uh, and, and sometimes people uh, are a little bit resistant because they don't want to be seen as making uh, a higher base solely off of a diversity kind of a perspective. Uh, they want to be able to say, I'm hiring the best qualified person regardless. And I guess two things to that. When I hear that, I'm like, okay, one, I don't believe that there aren't really quality, highly qualified people that could fill those positions. I just don't believe that argument. Uh, I think if, if, if you say you don't have anyone um, in the pool, then I, I think you're not looking hard enough. 
but two, I think it's it's definitely appropriate to prioritize diversity hires, especially when there's very limited levels of diversity in C-level positions or in board seats or whatever, because the rest of the organization looks to those positions. And if they look, you know, if, if they see the board of directors and they only see a bunch of, you know, middle-aged white dudes, it, it sends a message. And it's a, it's an important message both ways. You know, it can hurt you, but it can also help you. And it's not just about the PR, but it's about the culture of the organization. Same with C-level roles, um, that it, it is important. Now, I'm not saying you need to say, absolutely, we're going to hire a, a woman of color for this position. Absolutely. But let's let's look at how we can prioritize uh, diversity higher if we're really lacking in that area uh, to really shore up what we're trying to accomplish. And I, I think if we if we open our minds a little bit to what it looks like to have a really good qualified person, get rid of the you know, prune back the, the unnecessary stuff that we might think is necessary, but it's really just limiting the pool, uh, then, then all of a sudden uh, we can really get the best of both worlds. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, there's been a good movement in terms of how job descriptions are being written to remove implicit biases out of job descriptions. Uh, there's, if people talk about how, you know, AI, is AI going to really help us get rid of biases like that? A lot of uh, the applicant tracking systems now have a certain, you know, um, mechanical process that resumes will go through to help remove some of those biases. But then having a commitment that, okay, we're going to have a job description written for what we need in that skill set within the position, but we are going to have pre- we are going to have a preference towards bringing a diversity hiring to the company. There is nothing wrong with that because it's you, you know you you obviously are doing it because you don't have that diversity today. You're trying to increase that within the business. The employer has identified this is good for us. We're not doing it. We're not doing it just for the external optics of okay, yep, tick the box. We got the diversity higher. It's been done because it's been proven that having that diversity at those different levels within the organization makes the organization more effective, you know, more efficient. It uh, allows for the uh, the organization to be more innovative. There's a lot of benefits that come from doing that. So it's not just lip service to being, yeah, we should do this because we want to be look good out there. Uh, trust me, the companies want to make money. They know they want to be effective and efficient. And it's being identified that this is a great way to do that. So that's, I think, another reason why uh, you know companies uh, adds adds to all the positive reasons why companies want to to be uh, to be doing this. Yeah, I often talk about the combination of the business case, which is clear. You just outlined many of the benefits. It, it, it helps the bottom line. It increases levels of critical thinking and innovation and creativity within the organization. Better strategic planning. You know the the ability to look around the corner and and anticipate the the change and the challenges that are going to uh, you know uh, impact the organization. All of that increases as we get more diversity around the table of all varieties. Um, but there's also the human case of just like, let's be good to everyone. Let's, you know, when we talk about equal employment opportunity, is that just something we say and we try to comply legally um, with kind of the minimum bar or is it something we actually are committed to? And if we're really committed to it and, and we're focused on not only the business case, but the human case of just treating everyone with dignity and respect and equitably, um, you know, it, again, it's a win-win. Like we can have 
really uh, dynamic organizations of inclusion and belonging where everyone has the opportunity to come to the workplace, be their true authentic self, contribute in meaningful ways where they're valued, they, they're needed, they're wanted, they feel a part of the team. You know, that's the ideal. That's what we all want. That's what we all want. We want to work in an organization and a team like that. And that's what everyone else wants too. Um, so the business case, the human case, both go hand in hand. They're not mutually exclusive, as sometimes people kind of paint a false dichotomy, but they can actually be mutually reinforcing uh, and and really just help the, the overall um, success of the organization. So, yeah, let's focus on getting uh, more diversity into our various roles throughout the levels of the organization. And it's great. I love it when I see an organization that struggled in this area. They put effort into it. Um, and they start to see um, the benefits. Uh, but it can often take a little bit longer to get to those top levels, for, if for no other reason, then there's just not as many positions, right? Right. Exactly. Um, at, at the higher levels of the hierarchy. And so you have to be extra committed and extra um, attentive to making sure you're, you're, you know, thinking through succession planning and and all of the things that will go into helping you have more diversity as seats open up at those C-level roles. Yeah, exactly. Exactly right. Yeah, it's it's quite interesting. You know, when when I had uh, my previous company was a global consulting firm, and I got to got to travel to a lot of different regions and got to see a lot of different cultures, and it was it was great experience because you can't take those you know preconceived ideas and how you would operate businesses even in these other regions. It's you you can't take that you know what my my US operation and put it into into uh, Japan or China or, or other parts of Europe and expect it's going to work exactly the same it's just there's a you get a greater sensitivity but the things that you learn from that process are great because you can apply them across the whole organization so yeah again you know, I think we're you know, obviously uh, saying there's some, there's some great benefits there but it can take time you know it's not always a quick thing to have happen and as opportunities arise within an organization you need to be prepared for that yeah, it, it isn't quick. It's worth the effort. It's worth the commitment. And uh, you will see the benefits from it. Simon, this has just been a really great conversation. I know at the time I need to let you go here in just a minute. But before we wrap things up for today, I wanted to give you a chance to share with the audience how they can connect with you, find out more about your work, your team, and then give us the final word on the topic for today. Yeah, uh, again, I really appreciate the opportunity to to get to talk with you and your and your listeners. Um, as I mentioned, you know, I'm CEO of Hire Technologies. It's a hire dot company. We are uh, buying, uh, you know, consolidating within the uh, the staffing industry. Uh, we, we have a unique approach where we get to, we keep the brands and we let those businesses uh, grow and we provide the working capital to do so, uh, but then have a consolidation of a shared a shared services center want to bring all these different people together. It's really a, uh, the ethos of our company's leadership, bring different leaders together uh, and share those ideas across the business units. And, uh, you know, we'd, we've had seven consecutive quarters of growth, uh, really happy with how the business is going. So that's how you can find us, hire.company. Um, and uh, and then certainly as we're talking about the DEI side, again, it's a very big part of one of our business units and for our business overall. Uh, and the reason it's growing so well and doing so well is because it is, again, a very, very important thing that, all companies should be looking to do because of all the many, many benefits that, that come from that. So John, thanks again for, for the time today. Thank you. I encourage my audience to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Simon and his team can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Enjoy ad-free listening 
by going to the Patreon page. And please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please leave a review. Thank you for your support. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.